I'm Kate Daniels. The gift of life. Truly, this is the greatest gift that can be given to another person who is dealing with a challenging, life-threatening condition. And we may feel it's difficult to discuss. So this morning, we have the opportunity to meet a special man, Kevin O'Connor, who is the president and CEO of Life Center Northwest, and get more insights and understanding about this life-supporting organization. Kevin O'Connor, good morning. Thank you for being with us this morning. It's so great. Thank you for having me. You are here with such a critically important message, critically life-giving important message, uh, being the Life Center Northwest CEO and president. So uh, I understand you're really steeped in your work. It's really in your blood, so to speak. Uh, Yes, you could say that. I've been doing this work for over 30 years now. And uh, our mission is very uh, noble because we every day we have the opportunity to um, to do work that translates into saving and healing uh, people's lives. And so most of us that work in this field stay in it for our entire careers because, again, the mission is so fantastic. And knowing that we can make a difference and save and improve other people's lives uh, keeps us going every day. And I appreciate with your having this longevity in this field Mm -hmm. that you have so much experience in these stories and obviously a passion for it and an understanding to communicate to all of us the very critical reason to understand this and to be right on board with organ donation. Sure. Well, even uh, as we speak today, about 2,000 people are waiting here in the state of Washington for a life-saving organ transplant. These are people who have end-stage organ disease, so either their kidneys, livers, or hearts, or lungs, or pancreas are failing or have failed, and if they don't receive a healthy organ to replace their failing organ, they will surely die. So uh, for us, uh, this is a critical issue every hour of every day, and that's just in the state of Washington. Uh, Nationwide, there's over 100,000 patients who are waiting to get that phone call that there's been an organ found uh, for them to restore them back to relatively normal health. Of course, once you receive an organ transplant, you require immunosuppression. So you are taking some medications that will suppress your immune system. But in the balance, um, having a normal functioning organ uh, to replace your failing organ uh, and having to take a few medications uh, is is well worth the the trade-off, I think, for most people. And I'm sure you get that kind of feedback that they are grateful to have life, even if they're taking these medications. That's correct. In fact, uh, this year for the first time, last year rather, for the first time, a personal friend of mine received a double lung transplant. And he was quite sick uh, with a a disease called pulmonary interstitial fibrosis, which was scarring of his lungs. So he only had about 5 to 10 percent of the normal function that you or I have in terms of our ability to breathe. And uh, he was uh, listed for a lung transplant, and within about three weeks, he actually received uh, replacement lungs. And uh, he and I went, um, with a few other friends, went for a hike at 7,000 feet in the Alpine Lakes uh, region of uh, eastern Washington last month. And uh, he is alive and well and um, hiking at that altitude and thankful for uh, every breath uh, he takes every day. And probably never imagined a year ago even that he'd ever have that opportunity. No, he was... He was bedbound on on oxygen, and uh, with a prognosis that was uh, that he would likely be dead before the end of the year, without a transplant. So, oh goodness, that even makes it 
challenging to breathe just yeah. hearing In fact, story. yesterday I just saw a letter from another uh, patient who received a set of uh, lungs, and uh, he uh, stated that he had heard somewhere that uh, there, uh, a human being takes about um, 20,000 breaths every day, and he said, that gives me 20,000 reasons to be grateful every day for the gift. And that was a letter that he had written to the family of his uh, organ donor. So, again, the, the, the recipients of the organs are tremendously grateful, um, not only for their restored health, but for uh, they have gratitude uh, they express to the families of the loved ones and the donors themselves who gave them the opportunity to, to live again. Um, and, and, of course, we also see the, the families of these patients who die um, uh, usually unexpectedly, most uh, people who become organ donors have a sudden and unexpected um, complication that leads to their death. And uh, the families themselves, especially uh, after the passage of some time, as they get through the initial stages of grieving, uh, find tremendous comfort and solace in knowing that their loved one uh, at least was able to do uh, some good and provide others with the gift of life. And that's an, another very important piece of this, because at the time that the decision needs to be made to donate these organs, it's it, there's just so much emotion going on. It's very difficult to think of it clearly. So to know that into the future, I'm going to feel grateful is a good thing to know now, even before some tragic event potentially is going to happen. Yeah, that's correct, uh, Kate. I, I think... Um, one of the things that uh, we uh, certainly uh, recommend that people have this conversation while they're alive and well with their, with their family members and their loved ones so that they know one another's wishes at the time of their death, should they die unexpectedly. And um, in the state of Washington, uh, over 75% of adults are actually registered to be organ and tissue donors at the time of their death, which is a tremendously high rate of uh, donor registration, one of the highest in the United States. And I think it just reflects the, 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 the giving nature of people here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, so knowing that in advance certainly helps the family members at the time when they have to make that decision, if they have to make that decision. Of course, if someone is registered, uh, then they, that uh, actually serves as legally binding uh, authorization for uh, um, organ donation. And al almost all the time, of course, the family is aware of that and supportive of their loved one's wishes. So the thing that is really so amazing to me is that of all the people who die in the state, what is that number annually? Uh, in the state of Washington, I think last year there were about 54,000 people roughly who died, but only about maybe 400 of those people who die would even be um, in any way uh, considered suitable for uh, to be potentially considered as organ donors because you have to die under very special circumstances, and that is... Uh, you uh, die from a brain injury that's either a traumatic injury to your head or um, a spontaneous uh, hemorrhage or a stroke or an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest that deprives the, the brain of oxygen for a period of time. So if, if your cause of death is ultimately injury to your brain that causes your brain to die, then you would be um, possibly eligible if you are otherwise medically suitable. But of course, the leading causes of death in the United States are heart disease and cancer. And while heart disease is not an absolute exclusion, uh, most cancers would be, not all cancers, but most cancers would uh, render someone not suitable to be considered for, for uh, donation because we certainly don't want to transmit any disease um, to the recipients of the organs. So, that being said, I think mm -hmm. it's important to point out that the, uh, the criteria for what we consider a suitable donor, the medical criteria, are changing 
rapidly, almost by the day. And, uh, for example, hepatitis C is a great example where uh, maybe five years ago, hepatitis C would be considered uh, a serious problem uh, that would be uh, likely would render somebody um, not very suitable for donation, except under extreme circumstances. But with the, um, with the uh, advent of very successful therapies to treat hepatitis C, um, those therapies can also be administered to patients who receive an organ from a donor who was hepatitis C positive. And so now there's been a revolution in the transplantation of organs from those types of donors. And uh, that's an example where five years ago, hepatitis C might have been considered a, uh, a, a reason to rule somebody out for donation, and that's no longer the case. So um, we like to, to uh, let everybody know that um, if they're interested in donation, they shouldn't be concerned about any particular medical condition that they are currently uh, dealing with, because in the future, who knows uh, what would be considered suitable. Right. And considering these numbers of 2,000 people are on the list here in Washington waiting, potentially only 400 people who will die could donate organs. So that ratio is really out of right. Yeah, yeah, thank you. There's clearly a shortfall. Uh, There's a gap between the number of people who need replacement organs and the supply of those organs. So we've worked very hard at Life Center Northwest and here with our entire community, our donor hospitals throughout Alaska, Montana, Washington, of course, and uh, northern Idaho, um, and uh, transplant programs in Seattle and Spokane are tremendous programs. And we've been able to um, almost now triple uh, over the last 10 years the number of patients who receive a transplant each year. So we're definitely making progress, but none of us, in spite of the fact that we feel uh, good to know that uh, we're seeing growth year over year for the last 10 years, None of us are even near content. Uh, We'll only be content when nobody dies waiting for an organ transplant. So that keeps us going every day. And so that's what we're about this morning, is to be able to provide this kind of important information and encourage people, if they haven't done so, to be sure that they register. Right. Right. Yes. And and, and I should point out that uh, for those of you that are interested in Registering online, you can go to the um, uh, website for Life Center Northwest, which is www.lcnw.org, uh, or you can go to a website, uh, Donate Life Today. Either one of those websites will uh, allow you to register online, and it's very straightforward. only takes a couple of minutes. So first thing, register. Second thing... Talk to your family. Yes. Right. Be, be sure that everyone... you know, involved is aware of your decision. Absolutely. Because that really is going to take away so much of the challenge that comes at that very traumatic time, you know, when we're under so much stress and emotion at a hospital potentially. Well, I recall in your recent interview with Corey Schumacher, she even said that at the time, even though it was a horrible time in their lives, losing their son, at the time, they had some awareness that uh, something good was going to come out of this, and that gave them some something to hang on to, something positive, something hopeful. Yes, and it's still too new to be meeting any of the donor recipients, but right. that is the thing that is just, I think, a very bright spot for those families that are able to do that. There's great stories from that as well. Oh, there's tremendous stories for that. And again, that's something that has evolved over the last decade or two, uh, there was a time when we were, uh, we meaning the entire system, uh, were much more paternalistic and not necessarily thinking it would be 
advisable for uh, these people to meet, but uh, that has changed uh, uh, quite a bit over the last 10 years or so. And now it's very routine for uh, members of the family of someone who died and became an organ owner to eventually, over the, with the passage of some time, usually a year or so, to meet in person um, the uh, recipients of their loved one's organs. And those meetings are always incredibly um, uh, compelling and, 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 and uh, emotional, but uh, in the best possible way. I mean, we see these people just embracing one another uh, in a spirit of uh, joy and gratitude uh, that really is something else. And everyone is going to be, you know, individual about this. It's going to have its own special meaning, personal right. meaning. But I, I've seen several stories or read them where there is such a, a real connection of feeling of the other person's presence right there. Right. That's right? absolutely the case in many, many instances. Yeah. Yeah. So while this is such a hard time, the benefits from it are, are ju- far exceed, I think, the pain. Hard to imagine at the moment. Right. But just think to the future. I think you're exactly right about that. And of course... The, the tragedy and the death and the grieving, that's something that none of us can do anything about. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. Uh, every day in Washington, about 150 people uh, die. Um, and then across, across the country, that number is much larger than that. And death is a normal part of life. We know that. Um, so tragedy and death will continue to happen every day. But we have the opportunity, we meaning the entire community that's involved in donation and transplantation, has the opportunity to make something very positive come out of this. Not only something positive, but something that literally saves and heals other people's lives. And that's a tremendous uh, opportunity that we want to make sure we never uh, miss out on the potential to help a family make their loved one uh, a, a hero by leaving a legacy of saving lives. And so then the person who has died, too, we know that there has to be that that sense of, you know, it was not in vain, it was not a waste, because so much further good comes from it. All the, what is it, eight of the, there will be eight organ uh, recipients? Right, up to eight or even nine organs can be uh, transplanted uh, under ideal circumstances for someone who is, dies but is otherwise perfectly healthy. Uh, and uh, as well as uh, we haven't really talked much about tissue donation, but, you know, there's an opportunity for individuals, uh, whether they're organ donors or not, at the time of their death to become tissue donors. And when we talk about tissue, we're talking about bones and heart valves and skin and corneas, of course, very important, uh, and other other uh, non-vascular tissues that can be processed into grafts, which can be used to treat all kinds of, um, of uh, health issues that uh, people have. So last year, for example, we had about 270 patients who became organ donors and about uh, close to uh, 850 or 900 organs transplanted from those generous people and their families. But in addition to that, we had five or 600 more uh, who were tissue donors, and that their donation translated into up to 50 to 55,000 individual grafts, which could be used to help patients, to help burn patients, to uh, corneas to restore sight for people with corneal blindness, um, bone grafts to help people with uh, injuries or um, uh, orthopedic, uh, uh, you know, issues that required some court sort of replacement. So it's tremendous uh, what's a, what's possible. We even recover nerves, which can be used to help people who've, had, who've suffered traumatic injuries that resulted in the loss of some nerve function, whether they lose their 
sensory or motor function that can be restored over the course of time uh, through uh, uh, transplantation of nerve grafts. It's just a mind-boggling, miraculous feeling in terms of thinking of something like that to, you know, getting to this degree of being able to transplant the nerve endings. Right. Just incredible. So, so much that we can do to really give meaning to life in general and give life to another individual, multiple individuals. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because, of course, um, it starts with the death of an individual, and of course, that's always a tragic and sad event. Um, but the opportunity out of that death um, to to bring so much life and so much health, not only to the recipients of the organs and tissue grafts, but to their families, obviously, and to their friends and their coworkers, and to be able to help people uh, restore their their health, uh, to go back and lead productive lives, and to engage in in life fully, to see their children go on to be married and to meet their grandchildren and all these things that happen uh, to for most of us in the normal course of our lives, uh, those of us that are blessed with good health. Um, but many people out there are in need of, uh, of organ transplants or tissue grafts, and so we feel it's our mission, and we hold it um, as a very sacred accountability uh, because if we don't get it done, no one else will. So our, our mission is to help as many people as we can every year. And we've been focused on increasing the number of people we help each year over the prior year and have succeeded in doing that for the last 10 years. So it's an upward-moving situation, and it's happening. It is. And so to continue it, let's mention the website again to register. Sure. So, so to register because to uh, your intent to be an organ and tissue donor at the time of your death, you can go to www.lcnw.org or donatelifetoday.org. So very simple to do, and then the, following that, just let your family members know, your close friends know that this is your intent. That's correct. Whoever would be there at the time of your death in the hospital, um, to the extent that they're aware of your wish to help others through organ and tissue donation, that will make the process go that much more smoothly. And so, Kevin, you were saying with cancer, I think we can understand that it there are just so many reasons that the body is not going to be able to be used in this way. Right. Even the tissue, the skin, would probably not be usable. Well, I don't want to overstate that the, that uh, point. I think, uh, again, it's every situation will be evaluated on its mm -hmm. own merits, and things do change over time. The With, the, with organ donation as opposed to tissue um, uh, a transplantation, with organ transplantation, rather, uh, as I mentioned, you're, uh, the recipients of those organs are required to take uh, medications which suppress their Im immune system. And so that sets up the environment for them to uh, acquire uh, diseases and not be able to uh, contend with them the way you would if your immune system was functioning normally. And so we have to be especially careful not to inadvertently uh, transmit an infectious disease or cancer um, that will potentially um, uh, get out of control because we're uh, suppressing the patient's immune system. So That being said, uh, we, it, it doesn't mean that we uh, walk away from anyone who has any evidence of any infectious disease or cancer. We just have to be mindful of and have as much information as possible so that we go into it with our eyes wide open and know what the best therapies might be to help that individual in the case the disease does uh, begin to take root. Right. So... Having addressed some of these very critical 
pieces mm-hmm. of what we're talking about in terms of organ donation. What the family goes through as, you know, even being aware, it still is is a shock to our life. Oh, and yeah. and Life Center Northwest really cares for families during the process and afterwards as well, correct? Oh, very much so. In fact, that would be really central to uh, who we are as an organization. It's all about caring for these families of uh, patients who die and give the gift of life. And we, um, they, these families are, are, to us, are, are uh, heroic, and we uh, pull out all the stops to provide support to them in a compassionate way uh, during the process of donation in the hospital, as well as for many months and even years after their loved one has died and given others the gift of life. So we have uh, an aftercare department with, I think, four or five now, highly trained uh, staff. These people are literally um, angels on earth here, and they uh, they care for these patients in, in a way that is so loving. Uh, we had one uh, family member who told us she felt enveloped in love uh, by the staff of Life Center Northwest, and I think that's a, a testimony to the quality of the work these people do and to the people that they actually are. They're incredible. Um, they're compassionate. Uh, they're passionate, and uh, they're 100% focused on caring for these uh, beautiful families and ensuring that the legacy of their loved one is treasured and that they uh, find comfort and solace in knowing that their loved one saved others' lives. And Kevin, that just then reflects to me when Corey Schumacher was here during the summer speaking about the tragedy of her son Sam's motorcycle crash and ultimate death. But the what she was able to receive and was continuing to receive from Life Center Northwest, the staff there, was just that sort of thing that she just felt really, really loved and cared for. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. We, 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 um, one of the things we do in the hospital with the families is something we call memory making. And so we, we um, provide uh, families with a quilt, uh, and we take uh, handprints uh, in ink of their loved one and actually... On that quilt, um, they are left with uh, uh, impressions of the hands of their of their loved one who died and gave others the gift of life. And these families find these quilts tremendously uh, comforting uh, as they go forward through their grieving process. And uh, we have a number of other things that we do to help them sort of um, make memories, uh, positive memories of their loved one and really sort of uh, secure that um, uh, legacy of uh, being a hero at the time of their death. And Corey actually came here, uh, you know, cuddling her quilt. So I saw that and I saw the handprints. So that is uh, really so tangible. That is the actual hand. And, you know, we think of babies and we do, children in kindergarten do that, make those handprints, footprints. So it continues in life at whatever age that it continues to be a comfort. Yeah, it's, it's meaningful to have those little footprints of your newborn baby, and it's equally meaningful to have the handprints of your loved one uh, at the time of their um, departure from this planet. Right. And so all of it, it's, it's part of life and maybe makes even that much more meaning of, of life when we're facing death and we struggle so much to see how it is so comforting to be continuing to have that parts of this person uh, help others. Yes, absolutely. And so let's underscore again that registration process and uh, how people can easily do that. Great. Sure. Again, for those of you that are interested in registering to be organ or tissue donors at the time of your death, 
uh, you can simply go to www.lcnw.org or donatelifetoday.org. Either of those websites will allow you to uh, easily uh, register your intent to donate at the time of your death. And please, when you do that, make sure that your loved ones, your family members, those that will be with you at the time of your death, uh, will are aware of your intent to be uh, a lifesaver uh, through organ and tissue donation. And lifesaver is definitely a, a key word here because uh, we do save lives in this action that we take. Absolutely. So- without the donors and without their life-saving uh, organs and their generosity and altruism and the gift of life they give, uh, there would be no transplantation. And it's so interesting to me how, you know, we we keep evolving. It shouldn't be just interesting. It's just amazing uh, how all parts of the body are more and more being able to be used. And one of the areas is the pancreas. I thought it was such a, a very, I guess, delicate and an organ that you couldn't do anything with. You know, once you lose your pancreas, it's kind right. of life is over, but not so. No, that's true. So for pa- the only indication, uh, the only reason why someone would need a pancreas transplant would be for uh, to treat their diabetes. Um, that's not true for other organs uh, uh, that are transplanted. There are multiple reasons that might lead someone to need a heart transplant or a liver or kidney transplant. There's only one disease um, for which a pancreas transplant is indicated, and that's for the treatment of diabetes. Um, and of course, the, the care of patients with diabetes has improved dramatically, thankfully, um, over the past decade or two. And so um, the demand for pancreas transplants is actually beginning to taper off, which is a wonderful thing to see. We'd rather have people uh, keep their, their own pancreas and, and have it functioning uh, well for them. Uh, but in the event that people uh, no longer have the ability to control their blood sugar because that part of their pancreas is no longer working, pancreas transplant does offer them uh, the opportunity to uh, get off of insulin and to have a relatively normal metabolism as as uh, pertains to their blood sugar and to lead a, a, a better quality of life. And perhaps uh, re- uh, related to that would be kidney transplants, but not exclusively because of diabetes. But right. there's, there's such a demand, isn't there, for kidneys? Yes, you're absolutely right, Kate. In fact, um, uh, right now there's uh, about 120,000 patients waiting nationwide for a replacement organ, and about 100,000 of them are waiting for a kidney. So by far and away, um, the largest uh, percentage of the waiting list for organs is um, comprised of people waiting for kidneys. Um, There are 35 to 40 million people in the United States today, as we speak, who uh, are at some stage of developing chronic kidney disease. And actually, the majority of those people right now are not aware of that, uh, which is a huge problem in this country. Um, but that being said, there are um, uh, right now about uh, 600,000 or more patients who have what we call end-stage kidney disease or end-stage renal disease. That means that they require maintenance hemodialysis in order to stay alive, uh, or either dialysis or a kidney transplant. So um, there's 600,000 or more patients on dialysis in the United States, and about 100,000 of those 600,000 are listed for a kidney transplant. Um, but unfortunately, um, as we mentioned, there are not enough uh, organs uh, for the patients in need. Last year, there were just about 11,000 organ donors in the United States. So think about that. Uh, with over 2.5 million people dying each year, only 11,000 became organ donors. Because, at least in part, as I mentioned earlier, you have to die under the, 
fairly special circumstances of having a, a non-survivable brain injury and being otherwise healthy enough for your organs to be beneficial to others. So yeah, uh, kidney, the demand for kidney transplantation is huge. And uh, right now about 100,000 people are, are uh, waiting every day to hear that there's a kidney available for them. Oh, the need is so great, and the numbers of of our being able to make our life count maybe are kind of um, iffy, but the thing is, we don't know. We don't know what the next hour holds. That's very true. So really, it's important to, to make this decision and at least be proactive in that way. Right. I mean, I could speak uh, for myself, uh, you know, as a registered organ and tissue donor, uh, it gives me some comfort to know that, uh, God forbid, if I die prematurely, uh, at least some good will come uh, to others uh, from my death. Of course, we would like everyone to, to live to be 95 years old and to, to die in their sleep in a hammock on a beach. But uh, unfortunately, that's not reality. So I think uh, it does provide individuals some, some comfort in knowing that they've registered their intent to help others at the time of their death. Absolutely. And I did it years ago because it was so easy to do, you know, when I got my driver's license, right. you just put it on there and right. and I, and that counts equally as well, doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. In fact, the majority of people who are registered donors have, have registered through um, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles or the registered motor vehicles in their respective states. That makes up the majority of people who are registered donors. But just in case, you know, you, you haven't done that then certainly getting to the Life Center Northwest Absolutely. website right. is a good way to do it. So Absolutely. once more, that yeah. website? The website to register uh, your intent to be an organ and tissue donor is www.lcnw.org. Wonderful. Let's make sure we do that if we haven't already done so. Well, Kevin O'Connor, it's been such a pleasure to have you join us and to give us all these important insights and encouragement. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.